Hi, I'm Keith Allen, and I play Murphy on Z Nation, and I listen to One Up Gaming Podcast. Hi, I'm Lucy James, and I listen to the One Up Gaming Podcast. And we're here, it's One Up Gaming, it's me David, and this week we've got a special guest, uh, Mr. John Hare. Hello. Hi John. Hi. Um, we'll just gloss over the fact that we've just been chatting for over an hour. <laughs> um, it's supposed to be just something quick and simple, but <laughs> it's really interesting. I can chat with you for hours, which clearly we've just done. But yeah. So before we start, I would just like to say this week's episode is two hundred and one, and we're sponsored by Zencaster. I've completely blanked on the name. It's a. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, John. You probably haven't. What's that? It's something that podcasters can use to make their recordings sound crystal clear. Basically, it's like, imagine Skype. Mm -hmm. And when you hit the record button, it actually does a local recording of your microphone at your end. And then it also does a recording of my microphone at my end. And once you finish the call... It emails both recordings to your Dropbox or your Skype folder thing, I don't know. And so basically you get two perfect recordings, so you don't get any of the muffled of the Skype or any of the dropouts because it's all recorded locally. And then you just whack them into your editing software, put it together, and you've got a perfect sounding podcast. Sounds good. So basically, it's $20 a month, you get unlimited guests, unlimited recordings, live editing soundboard, and with the code 1UP20, you can get 20% off with the Zencaster sort of software. There is a free service available, so if you're interested, just go to Zencaster.com and give it a try, which... I mean, we've been using Zencaster for over a year now. It's been amazing. So, I guess, John, it's time to check back in and talk yep. about sociable soccer. Yes, sir. We can do this. So, I played the game briefly, two or three times, at Play 
at the Play Expo in Glasgow last year. Mm-hmm. And the new Play Expo Glasgow's next month, so I guess it had been almost a year ago. Yeah, I guess that's about right. So what features have been added or what features are you looking to add from the build that I would have sort of played a year ago? Oh my god, it's hard to remember where we were a year ago. So, um, I mean, the main things, the main things that we've been doing in the last six to nine months, I can remember. Um, the, the main thing would be the network play is working. So you can play from one device to another device uh, across the network. We've we've done it internationally from England to Sweden and Finland. And it works very fast. I mean, it's a very fast game. So getting that speed of transfer is extremely important for us. So we've kind of proved that that works, which is great. Um, it's working totally cross-platform now. So from PC to mobile uh, to VR, which is, I guess, we're running the VR currently through the PC or the mobile. So it would be iOS or Android. So... Currently, there's not much of an iOS VR option, but Android is Gear VR, PCs, HTC Vive, or Oculus Rift. Um, so there's an option if you want to use VR. I mean, having said that, there's only 2 or 3% of our customers and the guys out there will be VR people, so it's by no means the main focus, but it, it's supported. But the point is that uh, also to we've, we've got our accounts in place for with um, PlayStation 4 and with... Uh, Microsoft with the Xbox One, and and also we're just speaking to Nintendo about Nintendo Switch version. So, in the pipeline are all of these different versions. Uh, then with Google, with Google Daydream, and the list goes on. There's a lot of platforms, and they, they'll all work, providing the the platform holders allow us to. You can you can play platform to platform across any of the platforms. So far, we've not found a combination that doesn't work. There might be one, but we've we've not found it yet. So. On the gameplay side, the network side, that's very important. So whereas the kind of DIY leagues people might have been used to in something like sensible soccer, in sociable soccer, you'd be able to do that, set that kind of thing up on the internet. So you can play against your, you know, your friends all over the world. Of course, you can play locally with competitions on your local machine as well. You know, beat your brother and gloat, uh, the classic style, uh, which... Is still, in my opinion, the very best way to play the game. Um, but the the options, the options of you know uh, controlling it with the joypad, controlling it with the touchscreen, playing it in VR, playing it networked up, playing it not wet, not wet, not networked up, playing it from any machine to any other machine. Um, you can play the game with the you know in the way that we do, just playing the action, or you can sit back and manage it, which again was an option in SWAS actually. So you could sit back and manage the the game and select the team only and then watch. Um, uh, so for the mobile version, the manager mode, we're going to add a thing where you can basically let the AI play, but you can occasionally override them and do kicks and passes and stuff like that. Um, this is because we're making the game to appeal internationally. It's important in, in Asia, for example, to have management only options because a lot of Asian players are less, in China, for example, specifically, uh, feel more confident, but they don't have to do complex, dexterous controls. So it's a it's a very uh, 
broad target and we're at the moment working out the order we, we hit it in um we're very likely to go mobile and pc first at the moment that seems to be the like likely um thing that comes out so um in terms of competitions and content what have we got so let's start with the mo the friendlies the easy stuff so the game has got a uh, thousand teams over thirty thousand players all researched not licensed so we may mangle the content slightly um we're not so sure exactly how far we have to do to mangle right now um but we're prepared uh we have um the game's in unity so it's all in 3d uh the preferred camera angle for us to play is the overhead classic old style camera but there's many other cameras you can use to play if you wish uh, the vr camera is different because you we sit you on the top of the stadium like you're the tv cameraman and it works really really well to give us an overhead uh, three-dimensional view um so what else have we got so we've got the, the straightforward friendlies so we can play me and you dave can play a friendly either online or we can play just on the same machine against each other uh or i can play against uh, uh the computer or we can invite two or three other people we know and have a, like a competition between us be that a league or a cup or a, a small mini tournament we set up how we, how we want to configure it uh this is very much similar to the kind of thing we were doing on sensible soccer and swas years ago um then we have a, what what we call the world game which is the ability to play uh, any of 67 real world competitions again not licensed but the full leagues we cover there's five divisions in England, uh, three in Germany, two in Holland and France, Italy and Spain. And then we have Portugal, Russia, Turkey. Um, oh, we've got two divisions in Scotland too. Portugal, Russia, Turkey, Greece. Um, I may have left one of the European ones out. Belgium. And then we have uh, Japan, Korea, and China, uh, USA, Australia, Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina. And these are all full leagues with all the full stuff in there. And then you've got the leagues and cups for all of those countries. And then you've got like your equivalent to the Europa League, Champions League, World Cup, African Nations, Asian Club Championship. There's 13 of those tournaments. There's 67 in all. Um, and so you can play through those um, when you play through those we've got another mode which is kind of the main the main game mode if you like which is called the online league so you choose the team that you that you want to represent so in your case David you're likely to choose Newcastle yeah so you choose so you choose Newcastle and basically you start the game off all of our players are represented on player cards as well as being in the game. So you start the game with, with about, we haven't decided the number exactly, but probably about 16 player cards, enough to have a bench of about 5 and 11 um, starters, or maybe 18. But they'll all be like kids with like one or two star players. Now, our players go from 1 to 500 stars, so they'll be very low quality players. And any team in the world will have the same, the same starting 11, whether you're Barcelona or Barnet, 
you know, it's going to be the same. Um, and then as you go through the games, so basically we we add all the stars of your players up together. The stars are determined by the skills. So the players are evaluated in seven skills, similar again to the, the seven skills are used in, in SWAS. So this would be heading, passing, ball control, speed, tackling, uh, shot power and finishing. And each player is graded in those uh, out of 100. Maximum total points is 500. Um, so you don't have, a, you know, these flat players who are brilliant at everything at the top. And um, uh, as you go through the game and you, you start playing, uh, you basically have a, a bunch of game money. And you choose how much game money you, you would have bet yourself on winning the next game. So you go, I don't know. Let's say, Dave, you, you think I'll go. I've got a thousand game coins. I'll, 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 I'll put a hundred down on winning the next game. So then you, then you press play, and the, the we'll, we'll look for an online opponent for you who's in your league. So that, the all the all the players in the world are divided up into ten leagues, based on the how good their side is. You know, with the, the poorer sides and the bottom and the good sides at the top, and um. And then uh, it will find you an opponent who could be anywhere. Let's say, let's say your opponent is Real Betis or Ajax or whoever it might be. Um, you then play a game against them. Um, and obviously you've got all the normal stuff you'd expect in a football match uh, with substitutions and changing tactics. And we've got 15 different formations currently in the game um, and three different tactical kind of switches like do you want them to play more attackingly or more conservatively do you want the back line to be high or back and do you want to overload set pieces and you you, you layer up all these combinations to, to, to set your strategy uh, and then uh, depending on the outcome of the game you go back to your menu and you either get you either double your money because you won or keep your money because you drawn or lose the money you put down because you lost pretty simply and um, and then you also start to accumulate and collect stars based on your performance, and the the stars go in the back on the back of a new player card. And at any time you can choose to uh, collect that new player card, or you can choose to keep on playing to be multiplying up the quality. So you choose when to stop and cash in and take the player card, basically. But if you lose, you lose. So it's a it's a game about building your side and making good decisions on when to uh, when to stop and when to continue with a particular run on going for, the, you know, building up the next mystery player. So it's uh, there's 31,000 player cards in the game. There's a lot of player cards. So we we um, we. Uh, Once you've got that player card, he goes in the squad. Obviously, he's going to hopefully improve your squad. Um, and then you can also cash in or swap. Eventually, you want to swap all these rubbish kid cards out of your squad. So we give you a bunch of target cards you can swap them for. So as a Newcastle fan, we'd have a, a few of the Newcastle squad in there as targets. Maybe players you've played against from other teams. Um, or ones you've done with the, the manager upgrading, which I'll explain to you as well. 
and um, you um, yeah so you um, you could say swap five bad not so good players for one half decent player to your squad who will now, now become one of your better players so by this way you gradually build the quality of your squad up and up and up and we put an emphasis on helping you to find the the players you're likely to want you know so in the very very long term everyone's going to end up with Messi and Ronaldo and Suarez in their team probably but the route to, the, to, to that point is quite different and all the time you're playing for and representing your team so you'd be playing for Newcastle representing Newcastle as a player in the league system um, what else is there uh, if you if you certain rewards you get from time to time you get star players from the past so you might get uh, Alan Shearer or Peter Beardsley uh, popping up and offering to join the team for a few matches and then going again. So they're like special weapons. So this allows you to... to, to we, we, we've got uh, research on classic players for every single team in the game. So it's, it's quite a nice thing that it connects it more strongly with the club. Uh, and then... The other feature we've got is that you have a manager and the manager is kind of the central character really. So you more identify yourself as the manager and the manager himself is graded from one to 500. And uh, you start off on about grade five. And what that means is if you've got players up to grade five, he's, he's really good at managing them. But when you've got players above his grade, he can't really get the best out of them. So sure you could, you can you can do everything you can to get Lionel Messi in after a week, but unless your manager is good enough to manage a very high-starred player, Messi won't be playing to his full potential under this weak manager. You need to upgrade the manager in line with him, and uh, you upgrade the manager by going to visit all the world game tournaments um, on you know more in line with what was in in sensible soccer again. So you go to visit these and as you're playing those tournaments, as you get hit, depending on the team you choose, you're going to win different financial rewards for winning those um, tournaments. And not just winning the tournament, but say it will set you a target after eight games, we need you to be in 12th position, for example, in the league. Uh, or we, we want you to get to the quarterfinals of the cup. And when you achieve that target, then you get financial rewards and you, your manager upgrades. So the more... If you win the Premier League with uh, Chelsea, your reward is not as big as if you win the Premier League with Leicester in our game. As a manager, you're going to get more kudos and upgrades and actually more money from the game. So it's, it, it gives you a very, very long-term game, which encourages you to play through the entire world in order to upgrade your manager fully. And <clears throat> with doing that, then you can, by collecting all the player cards, you can get the best possible player team to represent your team which means you can then play with your player team you're collecting against your friends online in the in the DIY tournaments and stuff. And and it also means that we can monitor who the best players are who are supporting certain clubs. So you've got a chance to represent Newcastle in a real like esports tournament. That's kind of like the, the latter stage of this. So you can take your Newcastle team and play against a United fan or a, I don't know, Barcelona fan or whatever. Uh, playing for their team and then the very top stage would be to actually represent your country and play for England so that's the kind of thing we're making yeah that sounds 
a lot more in depth than when you first sort of pitched the game. It's just more. Actually, it's interestingly, it's no more. It's just more thought out. So we've always had the idea that you. Um, I know you said you had the idea of doing like leagues and your yourself as a player can eventually go up to play for the national teams and yeah that's what we've changed we've changed that to be the, the, the central figure is now more the manager yeah or actually you're kind of controlling the club so actually the manager himself changes he looks different after a while and actually it's more fun when you upgrade to get a different looking guy sometimes um but yeah basically basically you are um what, what were you thinking about what we were talking about with the game um, no, it, it, as you say, it is theoretically very similar to what was originally sort of said. It's just you've changed a little bit and, like you said, the manager's a lot more focused now. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of um, a centralised... I mean, I didn't know that you were going to do like a, like a, like a manager sort of mode where you could just set it to play itself. Well, this is um, this was in Swas. Yeah, I used United. to I used to play it that way in in Swas. Yeah, so yeah, we've always we've always intended to do that because from our perspective, it's actually not much work. I mean, you're just setting the AI versus the AI, really. So it's not it's not too hard. You've already done the AI once, so it's not that difficult for us to achieve that. Yeah, because I think that for me anyway, it could be quite fun to play it that way on the mobile. And then have like, on the console have the proper full game, so you know, like the full pad experience. Yeah, I mean, something else that we that we want to do is to think about um, uh, a co-op mode. We haven't done it yet, but so you can play actually co-op for some of the games. So another idea which you've probably thought about, because I'm just a lonely person who doesn't know now, um, but maybe have a save system that saves up into the cloud so you can play it on your mobile save up to the cloud and when you turn your, your PS4 or your Xbox on it grabs the save file it may be possible it, it depends on the, the, the hardware companies and whether they allow us to do that so some of them don't like a player to have an account for on one system but actually make payment on another so, so we may have some restrictions coming from the platform holders in terms of sharing your game account between devices but if we can we'll do it because to me that would be really good you know like you could play the game sort of like grind a bit improve stats on the bus and then when you get home you've got your full team there ready to to go this is what this is what we'd really like to do um Actually, if you want to get technical on the mobile, you can always use a remote controller anyway and do that from home and then get the signal going to your telly and treat it like a console anyway. Yeah. It's also possible. But, yeah, I mean, the only restrictions might come if... It's about payment. So some of the companies, for example, if you've got an account and you've got a version, an iOS version on an, on a, an Apple phone... Um, if you've got an also an account on Steam or, you know, you can get a Steam version or you've got a PS4 version or whatever, in theory, um, because 
on the mobile versions, it's going to be free to play. Yeah. Right. So then that means if you've got another free to play account somewhere, then um, uh, then the, the person is not spending through your Apple account, but through a uh, an Android account, for example, or whatever else it might be. So some of the free-to-play mentality companies where the money comes in drips and drabs after time and not all in one lump, they want to know that money's coming through their financial thing and not another one. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's very likely that the um, that the mobile versions will be free-to-play because all mobile games are now. So we have we have very little choice over that. That's just the way it is. I mean, I think you could maybe get around that sort of like free to play if you happen to have a really big name or license that can go with that. But as you say, as a brand new IP, it would be very hard to say nine ninety nine to sell when even Pro Evo Soccer's just well Pez has just come out on the mobile today, and that's free to play. To be honest. That says it all. There's, unfortunately, there's no turning back now. We are in the mobile world. We're in this world. So the way it kind of works at the moment is mobile is more free-to-play focused. Um, console is more premium focused. And PC sits somewhere in the middle. Um, and for us, it really depends on who we publish with. And actually, you know, we're talking to some license holders uh, about possibly attaching licenses to the game in some regions you know um there's one company we're talking to in a in a pretty isolated region in the world that is interested in a license with their particular football oriented teams and stuff and um that even in those cases with licenses they're still thinking free to play so it's the way it's going to go there's nothing we can do now. The, the world has moved us into free-to-play, whether we want, like it or not. <laughs> Unfortunately, mate, we're there. <laughs> and that's the way we, where, where it is. And it's, you know, it's not the first time I've experienced it. When we, when we had sensible software, you know, we were, we were forced to go from Amiga to PC and PlayStation. And we really didn't want to, but we had no choice. The industry moves and we make games. We have to follow it. We can't, we can't leave ourselves sort of like back in the past because you get left behind unfortunately that's what happens yeah uh, it's one of those things where unfortunately you do have to move with the times but sometimes you don't like where it has moved to no well I could say that about so many things in life at the moment but it's the way it's it's the way it is and actually having said that I think actually what, what we're what we're aiming to do with this game is to really show free-to-play games what they should be like this has got a huge amount of content in it you know it's not some little light game this is a big game and uh hopefully it will put the bar up a little bit higher for free-to-play game makers to understand what can be done you know I guess the attitude we're taking, and it's it's not normally done in 
free-to-play gaming is that free-to-play gaming, you normally make a, get an idea, put it out, build on it. If it's successful, build a bit more around it. Um, as a designer, I like to work to have a huge structure and get it in place and make it work. And, and this way, we've been able to get the huge structure of kind of world football effectively. And then through the three mechanisms of uh, the online leagues and the uh, world game, uh, and the friendlies we've got three ways of playing football all around the world all around the world literally in terms of against your mates all around the world but also all, the, all around, around the world in terms of the content and it's, it's just giving you a whole world of football that works in many different ways uh, in, and, and for the free to play guys even in the free to play environment obviously for the premium players um, all of the, the free to play uh blocks if you like are not in there there's no there's certainly at this stage anyway in, in my mind unless we work with a certain type of publishing partner there's there's no interest if there's a premium title in taking more money as it goes on um having said that some of the game mechanics um some of the game mechanics will require you to be online sometimes to um to, to be able to check certain things and to uh uh, and to and to you know keep you waiting. There's some there's some there's some very good stuff that's come out of free to play games. Uh, and um, certainly in our game, we hope we've got the balance right between the world game and the online league. See, the online league can only be played online, obviously, <laughs> but the world game can be played offline as well. Uh, it just okay it, for free to play guys. It will require occasional um, going online to pick up your rewards and stuff for um, premium players. It, we can be a little bit more forgiving with that, but the, at some point it will need to hook back up online just to check everything's going well. And uh, I think at this stage, we're likely even for the premium players to still give them these coin boosts every so many hours. Um, and, the, the, the thing when we when you're structuring a game, like so many discussions we've had, it comes to how can we stop people cheating? Unfortunately, you have to think about it, you know? So you have to construct the game in a way that also takes you online to stop people cheating. It's a part of it these days. Sadly, a lot of people out there just want to cheat. Yeah, I mean, from what I could gather, that was one of the big reasons why a lot of developers went over to the the Xbox 360 with Xbox Live Arcade because I said Microsoft built a closed sort of like portal and it's very hard for people to sort of like cheat yeah it, I, I don't know I don't know what Microsoft has done but I, I do know that it's 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 kind of a reality it's another reality like free to play gaming you have to work around it you know um it's not any fun to have people cheating deliberately. This is, you know, it's, it's not fun for... Our, our league system is deliberately very unpremeditated. So you're online as long as your opponent is in the same league structure as you and, and all our players are only divided into 10 piles. As long as one person in your pile is there, Newcastle um, against Newcastle, um, you've got a game. And, and, and this way, it stops... 
you know, a lot of people construct football games and they make these big league tournaments and then they find that there's dropout and no one's hanging around to play their next league match and it takes the fun away. And and it's not just about cheating, it's also about this lack of reliability that some people can have. So you have to you have to construct it all in a certain way to minimise problems from lots of different areas. And we, we think we've come up with the right balance. Um, obviously, from our perspective, if it's balanced properly, you know, the it would be nice to have free-to-play players playing against premium players on different platforms as opponents. Um, whether that's possible or not, I don't know. Whether that's desirable or not, we don't know yet. But from from, from my personal perspective, um, we're taking a lot of time to make a great game on many platforms. I want as many people as possible playing it on as many platforms as possible. And it would be great to have people all around the world playing it, device to device, one team to another, just joining people up from having the fun of a game because of their love of football. This is this is what I want. So, so I mean, I just want to quickly sort of ask, do you actually play other people's like, football games? Um, yeah, I do. Actually, I... What I've been playing most of all recently is, is not a, an action game. It's a kind of, it's not even a management game. It's called Football Chairman Pro. Um, and I've played, I think I've played about 110, 120 seasons. <laughs> Let me check. Let me check. It's a, oh, my phone's dead now. It's a, it's a very, um, each season is very fast. And, um, I found it to be uh, really good fun to play this this game uh, because I can whiz through a season in like half an hour. You literally just it just tells you the result of matches. You can watch the text flying through a little bit like football manager style, but it's um you, you don't even pick the team. You just choose when you change your manager and make a few other small decisions. So it's a it's a it, it's a it's a game I've played a lot. Um, I played. Um, uh, football superstars, which is more of a pool game, a mini clip game. Um, I played New Star Soccer a lot, but I haven't played it for about three years on mobile. I played FIFA a bit to have a look at it. Um, I need to look at Dream League Soccer. Um, I played X2 Soccer, but that came out a few years ago. Uh, in terms of consoles, PC, yeah, I've pe- I've played FIFA and Pro Evo down the years a lot. Um, I've not played FIFA for about two years, I don't think, on a on a console. But the last time I played it was about two or three years ago. It hasn't changed much. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, you know, and it's not necessarily their fault. You you get stuck because some fans like it this way. You know, making a new football game is a real chance to do new stuff. So, you know, on the pitch, for example, we've got, We've been adding all the all the stuff that I like to see in there, but the um, improving the passing is so fast now. Since you played it last, passing is super fast. Ability to chip the ball, ability to you know do headers in different ways, and uh, these kind of things. Um, the game just keeps on improving all the time. So on the gameplay side, I've got to say. But once you put it out there the first time, people get used to it, and then they they get unhappy when you change it. So you can make a change. Say FIFA could make a change and a quarter of the players will go, that's great. I'm really glad about the change. And half the players will go, I liked it the way it was before. 
you get stuck, you know? I mean, you were sort of like saying before with the sociable soccer mm-hmm. um, that you like to build a full sort of experience, not just do something quick and get it out and then build on that. You know, like to actually have a full solid sort of game yeah. to start with. Um, how does it make you feel with... I mean, I don't know if you've played it or not, and I don't know how the game is now. I'm talking about last year when it came out, but mm-hmm. the Dino Dini's kickoff revival. When that, um. when that game sort of shipped, it only had 32 teams. You could score goals by not scoring a goal if it went through the side net and it counted as a goal. If the goalkeeper caught it and went backwards into the goal, it didn't count as a goal. There was no yellow cards or red cards. And the, there was other problems as well. But well, I mean, we got literally thousands of emails and tweets. Because we gave it quite a bad review. Because to me, the game wasn't finished. And what did people say about your review? They were basically saying that you need to re-review the game once the updates are done. And I said, no, we review the game when the game maker says the game's out and ready to buy. Well, well, this is, you know, this is an important point. And, and do you know if it's, um, has Dino done any updates since and has it improved now? He has done updates, but I must admit I don't know exactly what was and wasn't sort of added to the updates. Um, I think there's several issues here. So, number one is when you're, from my knowledge, Dino's not a massive football fan, which means I've heard that as well. It's harder for him to know what's missing, like instinctively, to know that you know, like you're saying to me, "Oh my God, there's no yellow and red cards." You know, well I can tell you in our game currently because we've not done the referee yet. There's still no yellow and red cards. Because we've been doing other things, and that's something we can do. In fact, we, we're we adding the like different tackling and ball control skills for the players now, which is, from that calculation, we work out whether you're going to get fouls or sent off or whatever. Um, but, you know, we've had the game running without yellow and red cards, our game now, but because I can know it's missing, I can make sure, not just me, other members of the team, we'll make sure that that doesn't get missed. But if you don't, if you're not so familiar with how everything goes together, it's not obvious to you it's missing. So I understand how that could have been overlooked or maybe seen as a nice to have but not essential to hit his release date. I think from what I understand, he was under some pressure or some contract with Sony to get the game out by a certain time. Uh, I believe that as well. Which probably has driven him to make some of the decisions, i.e., you know, he, he did a lot of the work on his own. Again, we've got around about a 12-man team now working on this game. That's very different from one person. It's a lot of pressure on Dino. So I think he ended up with a you know a certain amount of time in his hands and decided the certain features had to go. And maybe the yellow and red cards were one of those features just to get it out. I mean, the stuff about the ball going in the net. And these are interesting things because these are all things that have been in our game. You know, the ball goes through the side netting. Uh, we have that at the moment, but it doesn't count as a goal. Um, sometimes that happens because 
of the way that programming is working and I'm noticing that because we're using unity that there's some weird problems the, the, the programmers are encountering sometimes due to the way that unity structures things I'm talking about now so um, maybe I don't know if Dino developed in unity but maybe there's a chance that some of the stuff which would have been easy to do in other ways is not easy to do anymore so what programmers tend to do if they're on the flow of doing something interesting is shelve the boring bit about making both sides of the net detect the ball and get on with the interesting bit of making one side detect it and making the goal look good when the ball goes in and then that kind of thing can happen so it's normal in the middle of development to have those situations the problem with Dino's had is that the game's been put out without those things rectified so it's not weird that it's in that situation it's just strange to have put the game out before those normal mid-development problems were sorted um and it sounds like a time pressure issue to me that's the reason and from the perspective of making things big and good before they go out yeah i'm very much of the way that i the fashion for putting out games which needed patching came from the culture of pc development in the uh late 90s early 2000s where it suddenly became acceptable to put out a half finished game or broken game <coughs> it's not something that i like i'm sure that some of the games that i've worked on in the past have had those things but i like things to be perfect so <laughs> but then i'm not a programmer you know so it's easy for me to go that's not working make it better it's just, it just takes me a few sentences to few minutes or seconds for that to come out of my mouth you know um but yeah the culture of putting something out is good enough we can patch it later i generally don't like it i mean it, in terms of making small games and making them bigger i do understand the ethos of it but it's that's come about due to horrendous budgeting and often development and experience of people making mobile games in my opinion um if I go back even as far as international 3D tennis, they had a whole world of tennis in it. Megalomania was quite a big game at the time with the world in there. Uh, sensible Soccer, the initial one had about 100 teams, I think. Maybe more, actually. I don't remember how many teams. 100 and something. Uh, Swoss obviously had 1,500 teams. Cannon fodder was a big game, fully mapped out and planned from start to finish. And, you know, I would have to go back to maybe Micropro Soccer was the last game I worked on, and that's 1988. There wasn't planned to be very big in the first place. That's just the way I approach things. Personally, as a designer, I like <coughs> I like a big world and to build out from there. So if I've done stuff that's not like that, I've seen it just throw away stuff like the old budget games we made. Um, but it's a different school of development. Well, actually, where I'm working in Helsinki in Finland, a lot more people think in the way of making it small and building out. Um, I think the, the the problem with that is it's if you like we've wrapped a whole world of football into a, a game's economy right now. Um, that's hard to do by building from the start and trying to nail it on out from the outside it's much better to plan it from the beginning 
everyone has their own approach. Yeah, I mean, as I say, um, I'm not here to badmouth Dino or anyone like that. I just wanted your opinion on if you think that, as I say, when all the the feedback we got from a lot of the people were basically the game's not finished, you shouldn't review it, you should review it once all the updates are done. And our reply was, well, nowadays every single game gets updates. We can't just re-review games every six months. Well, my view is that, you know, the decision was made for whatever reason to put it in a box and ship it at that time. And um, that's a finished game. That's how it works. Yeah. That is how this game works. And I think it's it's fair fair for people to say if there's a definitive update, which is definitely worth you looking at, then maybe it's worth looking at that and, and reviewing that. But um, I don't really know. I can look at this in two ways. You know, I, obviously I'm very aware of Dino's been criticised for what he's done. And I've not, I've only seen videos. I've not played it myself to, to feel what it feels like. I mean, I uh, will say the passing in the movement feels really nice. Mm-hmm. It's just the rest of it. It just doesn't. Do you know, there's just that summit not quite right. Well, I think that I think that there's several things. He's working as a one-man band most of the time on the game, um, and also he hadn't made a game in the commercial game space for quite a few years beforehand. And the games world is changing massively quickly at the moment, all the time. So there'd have been a bit of catch-up to play as well for him. Um, and I think his ambition for the game was more to prove... Again, this is me guessing, but I think he just wanted to prove that he can still do it and he can make a... You know, the kick-off's a good game and it can still work now in a modern kind of way. Um, slightly different from from our intention with Sociable Soccer, which is just to make a new kind of online sports franchise almost, which can can go between many different sports. I plan to not just do football with this, but do other sports as well, hopefully. So our plan has been a lot more ambitious and been a lot slower. So, you know, we haven't got the game out yet. We're, we're the opposite end to, to Dino. You know, he's put the game out and been criticised for being too fast and it wasn't quite ready we haven't even got the game out yet which is potentially yet may prove to be a mistake in our judgement as well who knows it's too early to say you can't tell now, ho- hopefully we've got it right and hopefully he'll correct all the bugs in his game and and, and people will stop criticising it so much but we live in a really really weird time to make computer games Dave it's not an easy or good time, so there's no easy strategy anymore to make it work, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I honestly think Twitter and Facebook and all that social media has really had a negative effect on a lot of things. So, yes, you can get instant feedback, but the negatives, to me, far outweigh... You know, anyone with any opinion can say whatever they want. Well, the, the problem at the moment is lack of filtration. Um, there's actually now as much as a thousand games a day coming out 
uh, on iOS some some days. It's it used to be three a day. I mean the the <coughs> the saturation of the market. Uh, so even finding <laughs> space for the comment on your game for one day, you're fine with nine hundred ninety nine other things. It's crazy and then the next day people forget about it and you know we we spent by the time this game comes out we'd have spent nearly two years on it so far and that's a lot of time investment to get attention for a few days and uh it's people just want new stuff the people making money at the moment are the the people who run the channels the people who own these channels like twitter the people who you manage the advertising and stuff on them you know it's uh, that's where the money's going and it's yeah you're right it's been a it's been terrible for quality products to live amongst the sea of shit it's the way it's been it's the way it is you know you can't uh it's very very expensive to market your way out of this very very expensive and it's 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 caused the publishing companies a lot of problems because the marketing budgets are ferocious and the success is not guaranteed still. And as a result, they're paying us less and less money because it's become more of a risk for them because it's just like a vicious circle, really. And as you say, the the comments that um the comments that people make, I mean, politics is funny. Uh, you know, but even with a with the games industry, it's in a way it's better to it's better to hear from people who know what they're talking about. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's for you guys. If you know how to filter and get to the good, meaningful sort of comments, mm-hmm. it'll speed up. You know your ideas and your. You know, what you can add to the game. I think from my point of view, I look at it like this, and it can't be seen as egotistical, but we made a load of hit games in the 90s and the 80s. No one... We consulted with nobody making that, just amongst our team. No one complained about them that much. So I actually think that too much user feedback is positively negative for creative people, because... Okay, if you've got a game and it's come out and it is broken, like, like genuinely broken, then yes, fair enough, comment. But most non-creative people or non-professionally creative people don't appreciate things which are anything other than what they already used to. So if you ask a, a non naturally creative person to design a game they're likely to come up with like call of duty but set in a zoo for example you know and uh, that's really what's been happening actually for a lot of the last 20 years with games it's exactly the kind of games we've been getting out the last 15 you've got the inappropriate people with tools in their hands to make new products you've got a lot of copycat gaming like a huge amount and a lot of poor quality copycat gaming and uh, it's not just games. I mean, it's, as you know, it's everything. It's uh, same as it applies to journalism, same applies to photography, 
same applies to writing, music making, you name it. There's, it's, there's too many people doing everything. And, and, uh, and in the background, there's people making a lot of money out of this noise we're all creating, you know? Every time you transfer a file from A to B, someone's making money from that. And that's kind of like the hidden costs that want to keep this volume of uh, information transfer up. And uh, these are the issues, in my mind, which aren't being tackled at all. You know, what? why has no one tried to tackle spam email? You know, it would benefit all of us if spam email stopped, stopped existing. Someone obviously doesn't want to get rid of it. Again, it's just keeping it's keeping the, the rubbish in our lives and giving us stuff to filter out, but it's keeping the volume of data exchange up. And someone's making money out of that. And it's not us. <laughs> we lose money out of it and lose time because of it, but someone's making money. So I don't know. We live in a, we live in a strange time. We know we do. I think, yeah. I, think, I think all of us are feeling that the it's different because obviously people from a younger generation haven't lived through the different time to to see the the difference. But I think that most people, you might be on the very young end of it, but most people are seeing like a substantial change away from a time which felt easier. So the time feels difficult now, right? Yes, yes, it does. And I think we all feel that, and and you know, we're all just trying to do our thing. You know, I'm, I'm if I look at myself, I'm making games. I've always made games. It's what I do. I make games with people, and then I, and then, I then I look to sell those games. It's just been what I've done for my whole life. Um, and, but somehow the experience feels different, and the way what I do is perceived differently, and. Um, really bizarre stuff kicking around so i'll give you an example of something very very bizarre i found something the other day which was a website which was trying to i don't know how they got hold of me or even knew i existed but they the first thing was a question um as to how much money they thought people thought i was worth and someone had made a guess. I don't know where they got the number from. It wasn't correct. But it was quite funny. And the other one was um, trying to work out my sexuality, if I was straight or gay. <laughs> to which there was one guess that I was gay. And no others. So I'm 100% gay on the website at the moment, which is quite amusing. Um, but um, what a website. This is like basically anyone that can be seen as obviously z list celebrity um anyone who might be known by anyone due to something they're tracking on whatever websites suddenly they're trying to spread just rumors and dirt about people it's kind of like who comes up with these ideas you know and and how does it work how does it work and you know, they'd obviously picked up the information on my birthday and stuff from wikipedia or something and then and then just like make guesses about this person and share them with other people so it's quite amusing to me that that's there about me but i wonder who might be really affected by these things you know i've, I've never noticed that kind of stuff before on the internet it's, it's just full of a lot of crap like that <laughs> yes yes it is 
I mean, like, when you're sort of searching for a web page, it's sort of like, it's like searching for like 13 million pages. It's like, well, it's got to have loads of crap in there. Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess everyone, people must go to it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if they do. I think it works that what happens on the business end is that investors look for opportunities to invest money and some people are like startup culture, if you like. They're professionally just looking for new stuff all the time and new ideas and then they kind of get something going to almost prove it's neither people want. It's a bit like this thing about making the incomplete product and seeing if it floats idea that we were talking about a while ago on games yeah. in a website form. It was obviously not totally finished and not the finished article this thing I was looking at. And it's kind of irritating that things change all the time as well. Like even I went on to Skype now to look at it and I've not loaded Skype up for about four weeks or something. And that wanted to boot up some kind of update and notification and change. And these things just seem to be happening a lot more. And um, I don't know that the feeling of being out of control, I think... We're all feeling a lot more these days, and I don't think it makes us happy. But then I used Skype less than a week ago, and I had to update it when I turned it on. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they're doing something important, or maybe they're trying to make sure that they're keeping up with the Facebook spying bits that hook into it. Who know. knows? Who knows what's, how these things work? But we, I, I think that the, it would be nice if we can come to the end of this this part of use of technology, if it's superseded by stuff which is more efficient and uh, doesn't waste so much of our time. But I still think it is funny that people pick and choose of what companies they will happily give stuff to and what companies they mourn about. They say, oh, I don't want to give Microsoft any of my details, but they'll happily give everything to like Google or Facebook or... Yeah, they're all the same. I mean, it, you know, or Sony. Sony had a problem, didn't they, a while ago with accounts? And you know, the, the, who you don't know who these people are. You've got no idea if you're the kind of person who mistrusts people who you can trust. The answer is absolutely none of them, because you actually don't know what's going on. You've kind of got to trust them because it's out of your control. But it, it's the feeling that. That thing that um, that Theresa May and the government announced for their policy about uh, social care in the home, you know this thing recently, and that your the money will be taken out of your home until your home is worth a hundred thousand, then the state will pay for your care. Did you hear about that? Yes, yes. Right, that is very interesting because that particular policy is exactly what everyone's fearing which is why it was such a negative reaction it's like proof that everyone just in the end whatever you do sucks all your money away to bring you back down to ground zero again it's how we're feeling at the moment i think everyone's feeling that 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 whatever they've achieved or tried to achieve or done or built towards in the past it all feels like it's uh not secure enough and very tenuous and probably going to be taken away which is why you've got such a fierce reaction to that very, very fast. Because, you know, people in, like in, in the South, uh, for example, where the town I live in, well, I'm not living, it's a nice town, with 
just outside of Cambridge. I think the the average house price is maybe two fifty three hundred thousand. So when you say we'll take your house down to hundred thousand, that means you're going to have to spend two hundred grand on social care. It's quite a lot. And it's a huge amount, you know, and. And they didn't think that in other parts, like, a, I mean, God, you live anywhere towards the centre of London, you're talking five, six hundred grand a house to get anything. That's like four or five hundred thousand you could lose on social care. That's a fortune to lose. And it's it's the kind of the feeling we have at the moment. What I'm saying is underlyingly that everything we built for in the previous years and all the plans we thought were in place seem to be, everything seems to be ripped up to go against us, that we... You know, we. Oh, I'll give you an example. I mean, like making sociable soccer. Uh, in many ways, you're treated almost like a startup company. We're doing something new because it's a a new IP no one's seen before. Um, okay, it's got some association through me as the same designer with sensible soccer. Um, it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's not out on the market, it hasn't proven itself yet. Every mobile publisher in the, in the world will tell you now, we need to see the KPIs. What KPIs are, proof that people want to play it and they like it. In other words, you've got to have it released and published and working before they're willing to invest in it. Now, um, in the old days, uh, people would give you money a quarter of the way into development very easily. These days it's quite hard. It's possible, but it's hard. And... Um, and when they do make offers for you with money, often it's very, you know, I've been made, I've been offered advances that are in line with the stuff we were getting in 1989 recently. So, so, so many people have devalued the market that value's gone down. People aren't willing to take risks. You feel like you're being dragged backwards by the day. Of course, if the game comes out and hopefully does well, which we hope it does, it could be suddenly from nothing to being the next big Candy Crush thing or whatever it might be. Because people only see black and white now. Do you understand what I mean? They only see nothing or everything. Yeah, it's, as you say, it's, it's an all or nothing culture now. It's, it's, it's a very bad way to fund and support the arts because the arts need belief. Uh, they need established relationships uh, between development, publishing, finance, whatever the, the art might be. And it's always a network of people, you know, like a, a whole bunch of people with different roles within a team. And it's, again, that idea of faith and loyalty and people believing in you and backing you and not giving you a chance is in the current way, which is giving everyone a chance, which is rubbish. It's like It's like giving everyone a chance to design the next car for Ford. This is like bonkers. You need to be really good to be given these chances to do stuff which end up in people's hands. And there seems to have been uh, people who control finance commu communications have understood by making everyone feel like they got a chance. Like the world is, the whole world is like X Factor. You get a lot of engagement. You know, of course you do. Now I can be the next master chef, I can be the next professional footballer, professional musician, dancer, whatever it might be. Of course, if I was 12 or 16 or before I've, I'd made it and been successful at making games, I'd have thought like that as well. I'd have loved that. 
the problem is there's such a deluge of that and now when we go to conferences games conferences a lot of these people are mixing with the professionals there's no sense of real sense of seniority in the structures that administer our industry anymore they've been flatlined by people like apple google and to a certain extent steam now there's no discrimination no discrimination is very bad when you're good it's, it's good when you're when you're when you're when you're low but no discrimination is very bad when you're good at something you know what i mean yeah it's it's just one of those weird sort of situations where we're in now you know it's it's just I guess I, I miss the days of knowing I'd get home, put the Mega Drive cartridge in, and I know that game's there. Everything's done. The developer was paid well for it. Sega got their cut, mm-hmm. and the system worked. Yeah, and you had a guaranteed good game that you could play for a long time that would be robust and work from the yeah. start. And Yeah, we're, we're missing all that stuff. We're missing... It's... There is so much noise at the moment. There's so much distraction. Um, and and really, really crazy stuff going on. Like, I think, I can't remember. I, I made a comment on it today on, on Facebook. I do use Facebook sometimes. Um, I think, Trump called those bombers in Manchester a bunch of losers or something. I think he used the term bunch of losers. He also called someone else a nut job recently. And how have we got to the stage where this common man language has got down to the President of the United States, calculatedly, in my opinion, talking in this way, to, to have mass appeal? Yeah. It's... I just it's just so far from how I was brought up to think <laughs> what is normal and uh what is desirable and uh I think uh I think we're all thinking a bit like that like how far is this going to go and at the same time through all this facade of everyone smiling and 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 that you know, people are just sucking our money and power away. It's obvious the game that's happening underneath. And, uh, you know, we've got, you've got a Brexit thing going on at the moment and half the country kind of wanted it because it, it felt something needed to be done to make a change, I think, mostly. Yeah, there are a minority of racists, but I don't think that was the actual motivation for that. I think it's more of let's change something. And then you've got a lot of people reluctant to let go of the current structure because they don't want change. But at the same time, often not that happy with the current structure either. So I don't think I think people feel like, you know, like we've got a general election coming up when I can't see anyone worth voting for, quite frankly. I don't see a proper solution. I really don't. I mean, we've got an interesting Labour candidate in Corbyn which is good. At least he's more like how Labour maybe arguably should be. But there's as many pluses and minuses for him and similar for Theresa May and all of them. Personally, my confidence in the whole system is gone 
and then we got the stupid free to free to play <laughs> free first past the post system anyway to bet in which is one of the worst if you were designing a system i'm a game designer no one would ever design first past the post as a way to do an election in a million years now it's it's rubbish it's so bad so the whole system itself is a joke to start with let alone the people you can vote for so and and, and i'm i don't think i'm the only person who thinks like this it's just deeply broken at the moment yeah i mean for me i don't know if you agree or not but for me i believe that one of the problems is the fact that 20 30 years ago britain still owned a lot of land and countries and whatnot but mm-hmm. over the last sort of like 30 years we've given a lot back and i think now we're struggling because we're finding out that we're not the superpower that we were we're just a tiny little island that nobody likes look the, the phrase nobody likes to me is the interesting bit because i think that there's two issues here firstly yes we did give these islands away now one argument can say well of course we should give them away they're not ours but the second one is is you give stuff away if you never ever plan to have it again if you never ever want that kind of thing again so it's weird in past times to have given away power if you like like that and i wonder in the long play out stuff maybe in 100 years time or 150 years time whether it would be seen that that was a good thing or a bad thing to give that stuff away in other words Where's it going to end up then? By us not controlling it, who would be controlling it instead? So there's big questions to be asked there. The other thing is about us not being liked. I've heard very few people talk about this, but I tend to agree with you. And I think it even cuts in a lot with um, the European stuff. That I noticed that a lot of... I'm going to be unpopular from saying this, but I have to say it. So... A lot of people, particularly from different parts of Europe, after the Brexit vote, were really upset and offended by it, you know, and felt that they were not wanted in the UK, uh, particularly around London, that kind of area. And, and, And it was very quick, oh, you just want your empire back, stuff like that coming out quickly from people is that what you want and i think maybe what people forgot is first we just want to feel control of our own country back let alone control of other countries so i feel that i feel that um there is outside of the uk a vision of us as being a small country which has been punching above its weight for hundreds of years too long and as pretty much a resentment in a lot of cases for the empire we had and kind of some kind of gloating at us being put back in our place this is what i felt after after brexit stuff and and i guess it was because a lot of people were feeling that they were being judged or not wanted and maybe not understanding the process that's been going on in the UK 
for the last 50 years, years before they arrived. It's not, of course, it's not people's fault they've come from other countries and they're living here and often doing really good jobs and being great citizens. The problem is that they've not been that aware of what they've displaced by being there. You know, if you look around London, everyone's moved out because they couldn't afford it or don't want to be there to smaller places outside. Everybody, almost everybody. I know if I look at my family and people I know almost everybody so of course people feel displaced and when people talk about London as they know it and I like the way it is I think I was born in London I don't live there anymore but I feel like it's kind of again it's this loyalty thing is that why does someone you have more right and more voice than someone who's established and older. It's all over our culture right now. And that's what I think has been a lot of the a lot of the slight angst. It's it's not about racism. It's not about um it's not about resenting people because they're from different cultures even some of the religious stuff, yes, but apart from that no, I don't think, I think we're pretty tolerant on all that kind of stuff. I think that we've made massive improvements in racism in my lifetime in this country. Colossal improvements. I think it's about economics. And I think that it's not spoken about enough. It's about economics. That, I don't know. I worked in Poland for five years. The average person in Poland earns about six, seven grand a year. Did you know that? No, I heard in I heard in uh, on the telly today actually that in China the average wage is about two thousand pound a year. So this is why we are not so employable. We're expensive, and this is why any decent uh, Polish worker who hasn't got a good job at home, you know, hasn't got hasn't got the ideal role they want or in the ideal place. Uh, might think, well, if I go to the UK, I can earn three times more than I'm earning now at home and still undercut the British guys who do the same job. And you can't blame them for doing it because all of us would go where we can triple our wage to work, right? Yeah. But we can blame our government for not for not seeing the bigger point here that, of course... It's good to have, there's nothing wrong with having all sorts of mixtures of people coming in. And it's good, if they're decent people, great, you know. There's a lot of positives from it. But you can't just allow people to constantly undercut the current workforce. And when I was working in Poland, the Polish people were worried about being undercut by people in Ukraine. But I also worked in Ukraine, and the Ukrainians were worried about being undercut by people working in China. And that's what's really happening at the moment, you know, is that we are very expensive and and and, and we're kind of uh, being moved out. and We have nowhere to go to. So when people come to the UK to better their lives and, you know, often uh, do great jobs and whatever, fit in really well, their life is on the up and they're not stopping to think that a lot of our lives are on the down. And that's really the problem. If you if you took out from 
voting and opinion polls, people who have only arrived in the UK in the last 20 years and only allowed people with opinions to be the people from before then, you'd have a very, very negative picture. Because I think the, the most positive people are the newcomers right now. Most of the rest of us are seeing it going backwards. The other thing is young people, obviously, because if they're too young to remember. Oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been there. But I mean, I, for me, the scary thing is back in sort of like 98, 2000, that sort of time, Mm -hmm. I was earning over a grand a month. Like, bear in mind, I'm up in the north, so it's yeah. I don't get the a lot more. Um, but now I'm only on nine hundred pound a month. It's like twenty years ago, I was on more than what I am now. Insensible software in nineteen ninety six. No, ninety five. My most junior guy, he was like a tester, effectively. He was 18. It had been, yeah, it had been 96, 20, yeah, 21 years ago. And he was earning 16 grand a year with us. And that's like that's over bad. 20 years ago as the most junior person in an office. This is what I can't get over at the moment. Wages are going backwards. Yeah. They're going backwards from 20 years ago. And that's, that's what I'm saying. When I look at the advanced monies companies try and fob us off with at the moment, with, not just with Social Cycle, with, with Word Explorer before it, you know. I've turned so many deals down because I'm like, you're joking. Why would we say yes to that? What kind of commitment have you got to our game when you're only offering us money that would have been offered in the 80s or the 90s? It, it, it's Something is really badly wrong, but, you know, if you... So I said, if you, how much did you say you were earning? About nine hundred a month. Yeah, about nine hundred a month. So that's about what? About eleven grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's almost doubling the wages of of a Polish guy, an average earning Polish, slightly lower than average earning Polish guy doing the same job. He could double his money by doing that. Of course, he's got to move, live in a more expensive place, and blah blah blah. But even so, that's what's happening. And as I say, I've got loads of Polish friends here and abroad. You can't. You can't blame them for doing it, but the government's just not thought it through. That that, that doesn't work. So I see it as a big... <laughs> if you look at what you talked about, letting go of land, fair enough. We let go of land. We don't think we need an empire. Great, whatever. Then we've got having loads of other people coming into the country and working cheaper and undercutting our citizens. Then we've got... Um, not prioritising at all people who've paid tax here. Then we've got foreign companies coming in and taking out British companies and then employing uh, workers who are also not British on really poor wages and then not paying tax anyway. And the whole thing adds up to just what the hell is going on in this country? Why? It's, it's like... Why? Why, when you're in power, just lose so much so fast? I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it. You know, I don't, I don't get, I don't get why you would privatise your services and sell them to companies, any company, let alone a company who's not in the UK. Why would you do that? Why would you sell water companies to private companies or, or health services or railways or, 
I actually don't understand the logic in it. It's quite frankly, it's crazy. It's like they're deliberately breaking everything. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't get it. You know. Well, it's it's like they say the the rich get richer and everyone else just stays the same. It's weird because you know I've I've made a lot of money in, from games at different times and there's different ways of making money that make you inside or outside. I'd also say even from what I've seen that ultimately the school you went to, the class you come from does count right the way through your life. And that's something which I've only really been aware of in the last 10 or 15 years, but I really do think it's true. And, um, you know, there's, 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 there's different types of money is what I'm saying. Different types of, organizations different types of power and what we're seeing now is that when it gets the going gets rough the the people who have always held the power and come from the right places are the ones who hold on to it more until the end so i definitely believe that we're seeing that right now that everyone is relatively worse off don't get me wrong but the the people outside of certain classes are, are suffering it more, is what I'm saying. Even, I don't know if I've had this discussion with you before, but I reckon if you did a... Since they've, they've, they've like been pushing hard on sexual equality and racial equality and more women in board jobs and more people from racial minorities or whatever, that's basically, it means there's, there's less white men, right? In these positions. But I don't know if anyone's done a anyone's done a survey on the sorts of white men which have given way because i would guess that the majority of white men that are given away from these power positions are the people that didn't come from the kind of like public school sector for want of a better expression um in the first place in other words the first out the door were the non-public school white men and i would imagine they've been replaced by men from different uh, races and women who actually did go to these public schools Meaning, actually, the I would guess the the quota of people who went to the the fancy schools has actually gone up in the boardroom by getting rid of the white men who didn't go to them. This is a total guess, but this is the feeling I have of what's actually happening at play underneath the surface right now. Which it would make sense. It's always what you know and who you know. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's really what I feel. I, I I really kind of I notice it because sometimes I I move in circles that touch this kind of thing and and I'm aware of it at certain times and I find it very I found it very irritating for the for many years actually I'm I'm trying to not care about it now and you know I'm what can you do you know but it's it's it is out there at the moment it's definitely what it's definitely underlyingly this 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 stuff. There's levels of different stuff that different people don't know, and I think that um, I think that only a, a select number of people, probably very very high up, really have any clue actually what's going on at all. <laughs> because it, it seems that the picture we painted on the television and on our social media and stuff is far from what appears to be really 
going on are actually really what matters. You know, what really matters is how comes all the banks went bankrupt less than 10 years ago and now they're still there? How come? Why don't we just keep on going back to that one till we get an answer to that one? You know, we're all poorer earning less money. They blew loads of money and they're just standing there. I, I, you know, isn't that the number one question we should that should be on the news everywhere until we resolve this problem? I mean, look at Barclays. When there was all that financial stuff like 10 years ago, whenever it was, mm-hmm. they actually, I think it was about four or five years ago now, they were fined so many billion pounds because mm-hmm. they lied to the public that, do you know when, I think it was Northern Rock when they went under? Yeah. Um, Barclays, technically speaking, they said that they had days left to run. But they faked their finances to say that they looked really good. So all the Northern Rock people went over to, to Barclays Bank. Ah. And that saved Barclays Bank. But they basically they lied to, to everyone to sort of say that they were financially sound. Jesus. You know, and of course it was like, oh, we'll wait until they get loads of money and then we'll find them. You know, but I think something like that is despicable well yeah so i mean that that's you're right and, and that that's kind of that's the deeper more unsatisfying part of what's going on so if i i've got to go in a sec by the way i'm yeah. flying out tomorrow morning i've got stuff to do um so maybe you should ask me other questions that are pertinent to what to what you want to call <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, before we started recording, I showed John some of the tattoos that I've been getting for my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all retro-related, like they're all from like '95 sort of era, like Sega Saturn, Virtua Fighter, Ridge Racer, all those sort of things. And I did say I have kept a special little place where I will be putting a sensible soccer character. And then I'll get the whole thing shaded in. So I think that should look quite cool. Very good idea. Who's it going to be? Which player is he going to be in your head? In my head, because of the bright colours of the logos I've already got, I think I'll ask him to do like a really bright blonde hair and have Alan Shearer. Okay. Are you going to put a number nine above his head? Oh, I never thought of that. That's an idea. But I mean, I never said this to you when we were talking um, mm-hmm. before. I wanted to have your live reaction. Go on. I've given the tattooist four or five sensible software games mm-hmm. um, to look at the artwork and things. And on my... I don't know, lower, no, top of my arm, me below my shoulder, whatever the hell that's called, me bicep, yep. whatever. Yeah. On there, I'm going to get a, like a mural of sensible like characters, like something from Cannon Fodder, something from Megalomania, Sensi Soccer, and maybe some other older ones. So I've all put on the top, and then I'm going to get one of your signatures that you sent over for the game covers I'll get them to scan that and it'll have your signature over the top of it 
Uh, well, well, that's very flattering, Dad. That, that might be the most flattering thing I've ever heard. So I think it's great. I'd like to see this um, like mural collage of all a lot of the characters that I've designed. You know, it'd be great as an artist. Yeah. But no doubt about it. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I mean, if you would like to help in any way by sending over like four or five of your favourite sort of designs of characters, and then I can give them to the because I'm going to get this finished at the bottom, which mm-hmm. it's very expensive and it takes ages to heal. Um, and then, so it'd be like two, three months time when I start on me the the sensible software sort of like montage thing. I guess. Um, well, since you saw Command, obviously, Cannon for the Man, there's a number of megalomania ones to choose from because you've got the little men and you've got the, the, um, you know, the bigger characters, the the the, the gods. Yeah. And then you've got who else is a character? Wizkid is a character from Wizkid. Mm, little sensible golf man, uh, Whizball, uh, Parallax ship. Hmm. Um, shoot Mark Construction Kit, I'm not sure about. Um, insects in Space. Uh, flying Woman with Boobs and Wings. Um, uh, I think I'll oh, keep away from boobs and... Galaxy Birds. I can send you... I can send you a... Remind me, like, in, 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 a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. I'll send you a couple of... Um, Images. When did you want to get it started? Well, I mean, I'm gonna sort of like get this bottom bit finished, which will be. I've just had this done last like four days ago. The the other logos. Um, so it'll be another month until I get the shading done and the sensible soccer guy put on. So right. then it'll be the month after. So it'll be like basically two months time when I'll start okay, on to... the top. Okay. Yeah. I'll. I'll, I'll... I'll, I'll rummage around and see what I can find. Just remind me by email. We'll get it sorted. Yeah, that's absolutely perfect. It'd be great to have some, like, if you have any like original artwork that I can get the woman to sort of scan through, and you'll have some like, original artwork sort of thing. Um, let me see what I can come up with. Just, like I say, remind me, and I'll have a look. Um, yeah, I can, I can, I, I'll rummage around for you. I can scan some stuff in, like stuff on paper, maybe. Yeah. So I, I think on that, that's been a much longer show than I thought we were going to do. Yeah. Um, but as always, it's been a massive pleasure, John. Yeah, absolutely, for me and too. And I, I guess we might as well talk about the game. If you just want to send people to where they can find more information about social soccer. So... Yeah, with Social Soccer, um, the best place to look is on our Facebook page at the moment, which is just to type Social Soccer into Facebook. That's where you'll get the most updated information. Um, we're going through a big overhaul of our menus at the moment. Um, I would anticipate that you'll get much more stuff in a, you know, towards the end of June, middle of July than now, because we're in a the bonnets up on our car so to speak um but yeah i mean look look out for what we're going to be doing towards the beginning of the football season um and you'll start hearing about us talking about what we're doing before then uh 
and all I can say is our aim is to bring it out sometime this year so a bit like what we've been talking about we can't guarantee it's going to be finished for the beginning of the football season but it will be out before Christmas hopefully yeah I mean so in between then and then is the aim because <laughs> it's like football manager comes out in November and that doesn't hurt its sales no I mean so probably Vaughan and FIFA both come out in September yeah so this pointless releasing a game in December because it's Christmas deluge. So yeah, you've got you've got bits of October and early November which are also release holes, but for us it's about a matter of deciding definitely who we publish with. We're talking to a number of potential publishing partners at the moment, so making a decision on that and then then we can then we'll be better at knowing exactly when we're coming out. But uh I think that when it comes out, people will be pleasantly surprised. No one who's played the game has said they haven't liked it so far out of, God, hundreds and hundreds of people. So I'm pretty positive it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, and as I say, from my experience, it was the best game I played at the Play Expo Glasgow last year, and it was a very rough early build of the game. Thank you very much, David. I guess... I'll let you get off to Pixel Heaven 2017. Yeah, well, I've got to finish my tax, my VAT return, <laughs> and it's nearly midnight now, and I'm flying. Uh, I've got to leave here at half nine in the morning, so I'm going to have about three hours sleep as usual. And then I've got to pack all my music stuff because I'm doing a gig there as well, and a talk, and we're doing the show. So I've got a whole bunch of equipment, really a lot to take with me. That's one thing I've noticed with you, John. When I was on night shift, I could actually email you just about all hours of the morning. You'd still sort of like reply. Yeah, the the worst time to get me is going to be probably between about nine in the morning to midday. No, no, probably from about seven in the morning to about eleven. They're hours when I'm normally asleep, or to ten. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I work really late. Uh, I have to, you know, I'm I creatively direct the. Their social soccer, um, and I also do the business side, and um, and I do other bits and bobs connected with our studios and doing some gigs and travelling around everywhere. I have to be very organised and yeah, hunt for cheap plane tickets like I did just now as well. <laughs> Which to me they didn't sound very cheap. Uh two hundred and fifty quid. It was better than the four hundred and fifty quid one, and that's the way I view it. <laughs> So I, I have to view it, unfortunately. I guess I'm so used to hearing about the the trips to Spain, like twenty quid or whatever. The thing is, when you you know, I go out to, to Helsinki every second week, and I book so many tickets in advance. So this is this one is for like three trips in advance, but I need to book four trips in advance to get the best value. That's know. the truth. Yep. Crazy the world we live in. <laughs> Crazy. Actually, actually, I'm lying. No, this one is. I'm lying. This one is two trips in advance, and that's why I left it too late. See, I need to book the three trips in advance one immediately to get it to get it for about 180 quid instead of 250. That's the game. Chase the flights. It's all the same thing, just cheaper. Well, I would like to thank you so much again for coming on, and Pleasure. hopefully we'll hear more about Sociable coming up soon. Uh huh. And as I said before, the, I thought the the minute-to-minute gameplay was 
nigh on perfect. I just hope all the added extras, the like, like the like the thing that I found out about where you could actually just like do the manager thing. Mm-hmm. It just sounds perfect. So hopefully that'll be great. So you say that it'll be probably PC first and then followed by the consoles. I think it's and... like it's, it, yeah, it will be well, it will be mobile and PC first. It's ah. probably mobile will probably be the first because like soft launching and stuff like that. So what we tend to do with mobile is soft launch it in a in a in a territory. It's unlikely to be the UK, um, but in a country to just check it out and make sure it's working properly and and that, and then launch it globally. And we will probably um, look at doing some kind of Steam version um, sometime at the end of this year, uh, which will probably start with an early access. But until we know, definitely our publishing partner, we're not 100% certain how that's going to work. I know it's vague, but it's the truth. We're not sure at the moment. No, it's totally understandable. So, again, thank you, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, Dave. We will just have a quick break, and I'll be back with the goodbyes. So, thank you, John. Goodbye. See you later. See ya. Hi, my name is Justin. I'm the developer of Pur Rocket, an iOS space game with cats. And I listen to the One-Off Gaming Podcast. You can find a link to download my game at facebook.com slash purrocket. And that was episode 202. So thank you to John for coming on there. Now, just going to quickly run through some housekeeping. Um, Basically, yeah, basically, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just reading stuff. Go to our website, oneupgaming.co.uk, read some reviews, leave some feedback, comments, that kind of thing. Go to patreon.com slash OUG if you'd like to give us a little bit of money just to help us along. Uh, we've got official merchandise like t-shirts and mugs at bluecyborg.com. Just search at 1UP Gaming. We have a music CD out called Games Inspired Music. Uh, 20% of each sale will go to the Child's Play charity. And just as a note, we do have John Hare's goal-scoring superstar hero on the album. So thank you again to John for that. Uh, we have an audio sort of like... Basically, all of our podcasts from episode 1 to 100 on a USB stick shaped as a cassette tape. And it looks, it's got like a cassette case with a, so it looks like an old-fashioned cassette. And that's from a company called audiobooksontape.com. And we've also got a Sans Pants radio interview. The tapes, £9 and £1 of it will go to Diabetes UK. We've got Facebook, just search one up gaming. We're on YouTube, again just search 1UP Gaming, you should find us. We're on twitch.tv, just go to OUG Official. We are on Twitter, so if anyone wants to leave us any messages or comments, it is just OUG Official. If you want to email us any questions, just email contact at 1upgaming.co.uk. And lastly, the podcast itself can be downloaded from a number of sources. Please just search 1UP Gaming. Subscribe, leave five stars of positive feedback. It'll really help with people searching for the podcast. So that is episode 201 in the bag. So thank you again to John. It was an absolute pleasure. 
we booked half an hour to speak with him. Well, I said twenty minutes, so to speak. And I was on the on the Skype call with him for about three hours. Sorry, John. Get your taxis sort of like done, and hopefully you get your flight booked for your trip to the Pixel Heaven 2017 gig that you're doing to well flying out tomorrow. So thank you all. Goodbye. Hey guys, Justin here. I just wanted to say that I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you a lot. Yes, you in particular, in that way. And I wanted to say, I think you're great. I've always said that about you. And I was wondering, if you think we're great, if you could give us a quick rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It would really, really help us out in that, you know, podcasty sort of way. And if you're feeling particularly festive, perhaps even a little saucy, maybe stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash O-U-G and see if you can't slip a few bucks our way. After all, every little penny or whatever space money they use in Europe helps out the show. Thanks for listening. OUG Gaming will always be free, but with your support, we can always move forward and always be better.